Um, <clears throat> okay, shortly we're going to hear from uh, several members of the mission team that went to Corpus Christi. But before we do that, um, I'm going to share a related passage of Scripture and some, some thoughts on it. So I'm going to read from, uh, from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And our tradition here is to stand when we read Scripture, so if you would do that, please. Let, let, me, let me start by praying. Father, I do thank you for your word. Um, I thank you especially this morning for this letter to the Ephesians, and I thank you for inspiring the Apostle Paul to write it, and I thank you that we can read it. And Father, I'd ask you right now this morning um, that it might have meaning for each one of us as we read it and discuss it and consider it. In your son's name, amen. Um, <clears throat> okay, and I'm, I'm going to make this point again later, but, but it's important, so I'm going to make it here too. Keep in mind as we're reading this that the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians. That is, he is writing to a church of people who have professed a faith in Jesus Christ. Starting at verse 1 of chapter 2 and going through verse 10. Um, Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the, the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You may be seated. Um, in the interest of time, I'm going to try really hard to stick pretty close to the script here. But uh, if I get up toward 10 minutes, somebody, somebody stop me. Um, okay, ultimately... Where I want to go here is, is to verses 9 and 10, but the best way to get there is through the verses before them. So let's talk a little bit uh, briefly about verses 1 through 7. Verses 1 through 7 of this second chapter of Ephesians contain the gospel message in as clear and uncertain terms as anywhere in the Bible. Paul says, We were dead in sin. We were deserving of wrath, 
and a merciful God acting through Christ Jesus made us alive, and that is the gospel. Right? But I have a question. Um, Why would Paul, writing to Christians, find it necessary to explain the gospel? Like I said before, this, this letter was written to a body of believers, people who had professed a faith in Christ. And like all of Paul's letters, it is not primarily evangelical in nature. It is a letter written from Paul to believers. So why does Paul give such a clear gospel message? And I think there are two reasons. Um, and this is Mark talking. This, this is not in there. Um, number one, it is such good news. And good news bears repeating. And the better the news, the more frequently it bears repeating. The more we want to tell it and the more we want to hear it. All right? Um, It's like the words to that old hymn, uh, those who know it best keep hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. So I think that's the first reason. It is such good news. And the second reason I think Paul repeats the gospel is that it is practically unbelievable. Um, think about that. You, you mean to tell me that a holy God, right, the master and the creator of this universe died for a sinner like me? That's what you're telling me? That is unbelievable. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. And it is kind of unbelievable. And I think that's why Paul tells it again um, so that they would believe it and continue to believe it. And look look then at verse 8. One more time, Paul says, Ephesians, just in case you missed it, let me say it again. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. It is a summary of those verses before it where he says, hey, Ephesians, don't miss this. I'm telling you one more time. It is by grace you've been saved. And that brings us to verses 9 and 10. And I want us to notice something interesting here. Look at verse 9 and see how it starts in the middle of a sentence. Even though it's it's part of that, that complete sentence, they started a new verse there. Though I mean, Paul didn't put the verse numbers there, but those... Um, who came later did, and they started a new verse there because Paul sort of starts a new thought there. Even though it's part of the same sentence as verse 8, it begins a new thought, and that is this thought. It's, it's this, it's this um, three-part sort of play on the word work that Paul starts there. You see that? He says, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The first work, the first of the three works that he's talking about there, he says not by works. That is, we are not saved by our works. The second work, he says we are God's workmanship. That is, we are God's creation. And the third work, is that we are created for good works. Okay? 
And that's the thing I want to concentrate on a little bit. We are created by God to do good works. I think it's the same thing that Jesus is talking about in chapter 15 of the Gospel of John when he says to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, he says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Consider the words that Jesus uses there. He says, if we are in him and he is in us, we will bear much fruit. He didn't say can or could or would or should or ought to or might or a number of other words that he could have used. He said will. You will bear much fruit. And that's a pretty strong word. And church, I think that you are doing that. You are doing good, the good work you were created to do, and you are bearing fruit. I look out here and I see a growing church um, made up of people who are engaged in doing good work. I see Awana volunteers. I see deacons and deaconesses and Sunday school teachers. Um, I see the folks who volunteer back there every Sunday. I see parents of young children who are um, rearing the next generation to know and love Jesus, and that is work. That is good work. And I am filled with gratitude for the many ways that I see this church and individual members of this church doing the work God created for us to do. Thank you, church. And here's what I would like to, for you guys to do. Um, when, these, when these folks come up to talk, uh, some of the members of the, of the team that went to Corpus Christi, while they're talking about the work they did, let's celebrate with them the opportunity they had to do that work and celebrate with them um, the changes that God worked in their hearts while they were there. But let's also be thinking and asking, what is the next work that God has for me to do? What is the next work that God created me to do? Because he did create us to do good work. That's what it says, right? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, thank you guys. And uh, now I think Jess is going to come up first um, and introduce the other members of his team that are going to speak. I don't know which number this is. Got it? Everybody can hear me okay? I'm inexperienced up here, so it might show. So uh, I see a few new faces out here, so I just wanted to just introduce real quick what was happened here. Uh, we, a group of us, 16 of us, had an opportunity to go down the first part of January to Corpus Christi to do Hurricane Harvey relief, and uh, I will get into a few of the details later. Uh, 
what we have here is we've got about a three-minute video for you to watch. And then after the video is done, I'm going to ask our group that's here to come on up here after the video. But you can stay out there and watch the video first. So go ahead with it. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire singing your name God of Just to, while they're coming up, just to give everybody a little background. Uh, when we got down there, they split us up into, there was, since there was 16 of us, and I'm not going to list off the names of everybody that went because I'll forget somebody. So, uh, But anyway, when we got down there, they split us up into three work groups. And uh, basically what we have is then the three work groups were on three totally different locations. So uh, what we do is we have one or two people from each work group 
sharing because everybody had a little bit different experience, obviously, being in a different work group. And before we get started, uh, I'm just going to throw out the thought from me personally that having been to Haiti a couple times and going on a trip like this, uh, if I had to pick out five things, I, you know, being almost 62 years old, and if I had to pick out a top five things that have made my faith grow, I would have to say going on these on these mission trips would have to be one of the top five for me personally. And especially when you, some of you have heard me say this, when I went to Haiti twice, I got a chance to go with Jamie, my, my youngest daughter. And if you ever get that opportunity to go with one of your kids on something like this, do it. It will affect the relationship and your faith tremendously to the positive, both for you as a parent and as a young daughter or young son, whatever. I just ultimately encourage you to do that. And uh, anyway, so somebody from one of the different work groups, we might have a couple people that speak for different work groups, and uh, just they're just going to talk about maybe what they've done and or how it affected their faith. So, uh, and just one other thing, too, Trent, I did notice that you, did you see in the video, your wife does drive nails, so, because I, ha I have something on him, because he's never seen his wife do that, but I have, so, I think Chris is first with the first group. Oh, and then, uh, you guys back there, there's maybe two or three photos with each work group, and it should be set up, group one, group two, and group three, so. Okay, so Amber and I were in the same group, so I'm going to share just a short little bit, and then Amber will finish up. Um, our group got to roof a house, which they told us when we went to have no expectations whatsoever, so I did not expect that. Um, uh, the other thing is that I don't like heights, so I got to uh, trust God a little bit as I went up the ladder and stood on a roof. But once you get comfortable, the view was amazing, so God's always good at giving blessings even in things you don't always enjoy. Um, so Monday, we tore off one side of the roof and papered it. Um, on Tuesday, we were getting ready to leave, and there was a group there from Pennsylvania. And they were a group of college kids. And um, one of the girls asked me what we were doing, and I said roofing, and jokingly said, do you want to do it? I'll switch you. And uh, she was like, really? I was like, yeah. So she was like, yeah, I think I want to switch his. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? She's painting. I'm like, oh, I would paint. That would be way better. <laughs> so um, we ended up switching. And so I went with a group of people that I did not know at all, um, which out of my comfort zone a little bit. But at lunchtime, so we work at a Baptist church in Port Aransas. And I ended up scraping pile glue off of a floor, so I'm not really sure that that was less work. But... Um, at lunchtime, we got to share testimonies. Peop they had a couple people that shared their testimonies. Um, and one of the gentlemen that shared his um, went through his whole testimony, never once sharing his salvation or sharing the blood of Christ or having a relationship. So it was interesting to listen to that and just pray about that, what I was, how I was going to respond or if I was going to respond to that. Um, and then the next girl gave her testimony of having no religion and no faith whatsoever and kind of searching about what she was doing or where she was going. 
Um, so again, just taking that all in. Um, we went back to work and was just praying through what I was going to do about that and just decided the best thing I could do uh, without being super offensive was to give my own testimony and just share with uh, share my salvation and different obstacles in my life that I always get to go back to the word of God and uh, see what God says about it because I don't get to put my own spin on what I think or change it so it makes my life easier. God's truth is God's truth. Um, so I got to share that with them. And then the other big moment for me was then later they were talking and sharing um, that, you know, really that all they wanted was for somebody to care for them. And I thought that really hit me in the heart because I'm like, you know, so the first guy that gave his testimony has, he was Catholic and is getting all these people to go to church with him. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? Like, where am I engaging fully with people, my family, work, whoever in my life? Am I engaging fully in showing them the love of Christ and speaking truth to them? So it was a good moment to step back and really, you know, take that in and just spend some time praying about it and come back trying to live that out more fully. Um, and that's what I'm going to end it off at. Thanks. So my name is Amber Barrick. Um, I've been in Barrick for four months, almost five. Uh, so I'll give you a little bit of our God moment on the job site. So, Chris, I told you that Monday we had ripped off one side of the shingles. And let me tell you, that's hard work. And I don't like heights either. But they told us, don't worry, it's a ranch. The kicker was it was on 10-foot stilts. But the view was, was gorgeous because we were right on the bay, and we got to watch these huge ships come in and bring in, um, what were they? They were like oil ships. They were carrying cargo all day in and out of the bay. It was gorgeous. Um, so uh, Tuesday, we were kind of starting to rip off on the second side, and then we got kicked off the roof by the city. We didn't have permits to be on the roof. That was not Reach Global's responsibility. That was the homeowner's responsibility to acquire the permit. So we were then kicking up shingles and carrying them back and forth to our pile for the dump trailer. Uh, the homeowner's brother-in-law came just to say hi and thanks for doing all this work for my brother. And we were telling him what had happened and... Um, he left, came back about two hours later, and he had went to City Hall and paid for the permits. Uh, so we got back on the roof, and we continued to rip off, and we continued to pull nails out and laid paper down, and we were able to, we didn't finish on the day that Bob Tim wanted to finish. Uh, our teenagers called, nicknamed Bob Man Man, uh, and then about lunchtime on day one, being on the roof with Bob, he got a new nickname, Slave Driver Bob. But it was a great time, really great time. Um, so I'm going to give you a little more information about what it's like um, to serve others beyond that, uh, how it really comes down to the Holy Spirit moving in you. So like I said, I've only been a barrack for about four months. And uh, it's not all marital bliss. 
we argue, like any married couple, I think, argues. Sometimes it's about petty little stuff. Sometimes it's about big stuff. Um, I was married once before, if you guys don't know, and I have some trust issues. And not to Ryan's fault, but I kind of take that out on him. So we have a lot of arguments about that. And a lot of, some of our arguments had been about, Ryan, why can't you help me do the laundry? You went back to work. I know you broke your back, but you went back to work. Uh, can you help me fold the laundry? Oh, no. You know, I just hurts my back in the wrong spot just to do that motion to fold. And I can't bend over because bending over to put the dishes in the dishwasher, just the wrong spot. I mean, he was kind of being playful with me in regards to this, but it got frustrating after a while. Um, so I, roofing this house, was exhausted every single day. Uh, we would get back to the church where we were staying at, and all I could think about was, Food, shower, sleep. I couldn't think about having to do anything else beyond that. Uh, but most nights we didn't even get to bed till 10 or 11 o'clock. Um, and it kind of hit me like Wednesday night, wow, I have been so selfish and so hard on my husband because this is what he does every day for a living and I sit behind a desk and I'm complaining about him coming home, being deadbeat tired like I feel right now, and him not helping me do dishes or laundry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that Wednesday night, I got pretty emotional, and I asked one of the girls to cuddle me. None of them would cuddle me. Um, but in premarital counseling, uh, our counselor laid a message on us that I want to share with you. It's from Philippians chapter 2. And I'll start at verse 4. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, and even death on the cross. So um, I didn't, I can't say that I did a complete 180 and that I'm uh, so much better at being a submissive wife and not complaining, but I would say that I have really owned up to not asking so much of him. And I really appreciate what he does every day for us um, to provide for our family, to put food on the table, to keep a roof over our heads. So when you go on this mission trip, which was my first mission trip, I really thought, oh, here I am. I'm going to go serve somebody, and I'm going to change a life. And wow, did God slap me around because that experience changed, changed me, changed my life. My name's Chris Jess, and I got the opportunity. I didn't know what I was getting into, but 
got the opportunity to uh, go down to Corpus Christi, and I was able to take my two sons with me, so I knew they'd be part of my group. I also got to be in Mike's group, in which we we had a house that had two trees that fell on it, and it didn't have storm surge flooding that we could tell, but the damage that had been done with the trees also revealed other issues. So we got to do some party board siding on it in preparation for the people to move back in. The uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity that we had that was given by the church in by Reese Global in allowing us to have a purpose in coming down and serving as Jesus wanted us to doing his will and showing love to others and we didn't know the future but Billy and Sharon Morris were the couple and the first oh first day or so we would go in and we'd want to pray with them and Sharon was there and she would come every day to the house that was not done part of the ho- part of the house uh, needed more mudding and drywall sanding so you can imagine the studs would litter open the dust and the uh, not the most exciting place to be but they had been in the hotel for several months since uh, August 28th and so just for relief Reese and Sharon would come in every day and sit in the house to get away from the hotel. In visiting with Roger, he could have been retired, but he he confided that he's glad he didn't because he didn't know what he would do in that hotel. And you soon start to realize how much of this is affecting their lives. One thing that Mavis, we talked and debriefed in the evening, and she shared, she said, you realize Billy would come home in the afternoon and he'd see our progress and seem pretty happy. And one thing that she noticed was he got out of his bed and the first thing he did was get his phone out to take pictures. He was very pleased. And in showing love, we had a sharing night and Billy came to that sharing night and he couldn't get over how thankful, how he was being thanked that he was allowing us to come work on his house. People were thanking him for his work in his house. So seeing the lives and how that mattered, the opportunity to work with my sons, the opportunity to work with Mavis and Michaela and learn from Mike because we we tried. <laughs> He's a good teacher. But in Jesus' love, the opportunity is equaled. So one gift is, it's only a good gift if it's received. So whether people that we prayed with on the prayer walk or by the end of the week, Billy would pray with us when we'd be leaving in the afternoon. And the last day, Sharon, she agreed to pray with us in the morning. 
So every other every morning we'd go there and we would just say, "Hello, we're here. We're going to work on your house." And would you do, would you want to come out and pray with us? We're just going to pray before we start work. That's what we do. And every other morning she said, "No, um, she she just makes some excuse. Like one morning she's on with social security or something. The next morning just like, no, not going to do it. And then finally Friday for whatever reason, she decided that she she did it in the morning and she did it in the evening, which is very, I don't know. I mean we don't know any reason why, but she just <clears throat> I don't know. She just wanted to do it that day. So here you go. Planting seeds. So are you up for it? I asked a couple questions of my boys and what it was that they learned and So I'm Luke. I went with my dad and my brother uh on this mission trip, my first trip. And so I learned that I needed, I need to be more thankful for what I have. They lost, some people lost everything, their house, everything they own. Yeah. <coughs> and I need to be more thankful and for what I have and be more content. And then um, second, I was thankful for the opportunity to be able to bond with my dad and my brother and doing something that I like doing because I like building things. And so it, it was fun to go on a trip and connect to be connect with everyone on the trip and to be able to serve other people and do God's work. And everyone was worried I was going to have the longest presentation. So. Yeah, we're not over yet. My name is Ryan. I had a uh, group three. Um, I was excited to go about this uh, after, uh, shortly after it, it it came out. Uh, I had some slides that I uh, brought up that I was just going to uh, kind of go through, maybe. Um, it was really a great opportunity uh, to go. Uh, I know right away when we talked about it, my dad was very interest, interested in going, and uh, and I was interested in wanting to go, but uh, I had uh, my back injury previously, and and didn't really know what I'd be able to do, and was just kind of worried about that. So uh, luckily, everything worked out. <coughs> so we when we got down there, uh, we all uh, slept in the sanctuary. It kind of be like this. And then we were pulled to bring air mattresses and sleeping bags. So this is where we slept for our uh, week while we were down there. Next slide. The other side of the sanctuary, that's where we had a chair wall. We stacked up all the chairs, and that was a divider from the guys to the girls. Uh, you can see Mason. He was in our group. On this uh, uh, erase board, we put down A through Z, all the attributes of God and different things that we could come up with. Um, so every morning when we uh, thought of a new one, we put it in in a different color. And this was just us getting ready for our first or second day as we were uh, getting water and uh, getting sandwiches and everything made. We had our lunch and everything at the job site. Next slide. <coughs> so to get over to our uh, Port Aarons, after we dropped off Mike and uh, Mike's crew the first day, we took a ferry. And this was the ferry that we took to get across. Next slide. 
this, so we all got teamed up with our site supervisors. This was our site supervisor. His name is Adam Horse. Adam had just turned 18 years old the Friday before we came down on that Saturday. Um, he was homeschooled. Uh, his parents grew up in uh, Reach Global, and so he's been doing it, you know, growing up and doing this his whole life. And it just blew my mind that here he was 18 years old, and this is what he had committed his life to when most kids would be out going to college and doing whatever, and, and that's what he was doing. Just had a heart of gold, and it was, it was very touching. Um, the houses in the background that we had, uh, I think you can go to the next slide. The house that we had, they had um, totally gutted and already had everything re-sheetrocked, repainted, so we were sent there to do trim, replace windows, and painting. When we first got there, we noticed that they had these signs. A couple of the neighbors had these signs that said, Poor Day Strong, and it had a hurricane and some birds and stuff on it. So next slide. Uh, Mason and Jacob, there were two younger teenagers, and we tasked them with painting. Uh, went through paint and trim, paint and doors. These guys were great. I honestly didn't expect to get a lot done with these guys, you know, just being young kids and and they were great we didn't have to worry about making sure they were doing it they were just happy to paint mason hated painting and 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 working labory he told us and i would have never guessed it they were just a blessing next slide uh this was my dad in a closet we were uh, putting trim up so that was good to be able to do with him next slide as you can see, kind of, this is a boat. This this guy, his name was Tom. He had three boats in his front lawn after the hurricane. And uh, no one had claimed this boat in six months, so Reach Global came, and, and the city wouldn't touch it because, it you know, they, they couldn't pick it up. So uh, Reach Global came and crushed it into a pile. Next slide. So one of the days that we were there, we decided... I think it was Thursday maybe we decided to do a prayer walk because we we had been busy and we just we hadn't we hadn't made time to go around and, and and really see the devastation and the prayer walk. So this is the boat after it had been crushed. If you can see that boat there, it is sitting on concrete and there's an RV there. There was a house there. This is across from the house we were working on. The gentleman's name that lived there was Tom. Tom works for the city. He decided to ride the storm out. He stayed in his house until he was up to his chest in water. Then he then he knew where the neighbor's house key was because his house wasn't on stilt. So he swam through there in through a window and rode out the rest of the storm in his neighbor's house. Um he was one of the only, I think there was 50-some people that stayed. He stayed. Uh, he knew one of his friends stayed, so he went down to his house to see where he was, and he wasn't there. Um, but the dog hadn't made it, and it was in the front lawn. So he was worried that maybe his friend was somewhere lost, too. He then went back and, and started helping people out and doing what he could with getting generators and water going on. And, you know, he, he felt good. And he was being able to help, and and then... Um, he was renting a house. He had rented this house for 12 years. The guy that he rented it from decided construction prices and everything are too high right now, so I'm just not going to rebuild for three or four years. So you can only imagine, he, I mean, he lost everything, Didn't th th doesn't have a house or nothing. 
Luckily, some family members uh, got some money for him, and they bought that uh, uh, RV that is parked there. And then he he went through highs and lows. He went through feeling good after the storm to be able to go and help people and get water going around. They first started with uh, the city bought a water truck, and then they'd had 50-gallon barrels of, of uh, garbage barrels, and that's you would go around and, and dunk your water out of that or flush the to toilet or boil it, do whatever. And then after that, his FEMA money didn't come through, and he wasn't getting any help. So then he went through depression and, and, and drinking problems, and uh, he thought things were better. One day he got a $1,000 lottery ticket, and he was excited, thought his luck changed around. And then uh, working for the city, he found out that they overpaid him in taxes, so he kept all that. So uh, one day we were over there, and he, he came over, and um, Dad started talking with him and, and just hearing his story and, and just a heartbreak. I mean, he was open and honest about, you know, the struggles that he was having and the depression he was going through and, and how much of a beautiful town this was. And, and, uh, and now it's just complete devastation and, and the struggles that he was having and and so uh, we were happy to, we prayed with him and prayed for him. And then the next day we went on a prayer wor walk and, and he was there on his lunch hour and we stopped and, and prayed for him. And as we walked over there, he said, are you guys here to pray for for, for me again? And we said, yeah, and asked how he was doing. He said, well, well good. I, I haven't told my wife yet, but I just won $50 on a scratch ticket. So so he, he, was, he, he was blessed and Jesus does ma many things and. I think if if that's one of the way that we can bring him to the Lord. So I gave him a Bible, and he was happy to have that Bible, and, and he said he would keep it in his truck. So next slide. Uh, as we went on our prayer walk, we kind of walked around. There was houses all over that had been devastated. We prayed in different areas. This is one of the RV parks. This was all that was left of a motor home, just the chassis. Next slide. Uh, here's another house that nothing had been done to it, but it's, all devastated. Next slide. As we were walking, we saw, we were walking down the road, this road right here, and an old gentleman was carrying clothes out to the, the road. Up top, above the roof, he had a little pulley and a rope, and his wife was lowering down clothes and then pulling it back up. So this was, we were on our prayer walk, and it was one of the gentlemen that we seen, and so we walked up and asked him how he was doing and if there, there was anything we could help him with. And he said, yes, I have a refrigerator and a desk that I moved out, need help moving now. And this was just the Lord's work. Um, he had been praying, you know, that someone would come by and be able to help him. Uh, his wife and him had lived in this house. They had another house, and they were now selling it. And it was really just, you know, sad just to, just to hear his testimony he was a christian he was a believer but he was just very very thankful that we came by and we, we were there to help and and you know they were just they were selling the house and every and it was completely empty and and so uh so yeah his name was don and his wife's name was shirley i believe so um next slide this was looking down the street, as you can see, so over here was a house. Um, palm trees are all tipped over and a lot of devastation. Next slide. Over here, they, uh, 
the they brought all their garbage and trash out, and then the city was going around and with uh, excavators and backhoes picking up all the garbage and bringing them to a, a landfill that they had made. Next slide. So the neighbor across the street, her name was Diana, and the story behind that we found out with these poor day strongs was Jacob asked her, but we asked what the story was and how he could get one if he could buy one. And she said that um, during the storm, she wanted to be able to do something to give back to the community and stuff. So what she did then was she would go around and find debris from the storm and paint these up herself. And so I asked if uh, she would make us one to bring back to the church and be able to keep here. And that's what she did, and, and this is us holding it there, which we're going to keep here. And she just wrote the date, and uh, God bless Reach Global. And I think she uh, wrote on the back uh, about uh, it's people like you. It's people like you all. We were in Texas. It's people like you all that make the world a better place. So we were just very thankful, and and uh, it, it was just really good to see the camaraderie and everyone helping each other out, and um, I mean, w the doors were all open while we were working, and we'd have neighbors' dogs running through, and everyone knew the dog's name and, and stuff like that, so I think that's all of them, right? So, that's all I got. I guess one of the things that really opened my heart up and everybody else that was there was just, uh, you know, sometimes you think how much it costs to go on these mission trips, and there's a big cost not only in money and time that people put forward to it but just when you actually get there you know people are so thankful that you're there I mean sure any kind of money that they do get yes it is a help but you know the people open up their hearts to you and your hearts to them and they just know that there's people out there that you know are true believers that are really out there to help and do really care for them instead of because uh, as we learned at the church, the people in Corpus Christi are just kind of really immune to where we were at at Port Aranis and that uh, because, you know, they didn't get hit. So they, they didn't even hardly see people help from, Port or from uh, Corpus Christi. So just being there, you know, is well worth it. So. One thing I wanted to say that I forgot was what really hit me was just being able to help these people. And it, it made me think, what more can we do? We don't have to travel down to Texas to a disaster. There's plenty of people, I'm sure, around here that, that need help or have a bad roof or, or different ways that, that we can help around here and, and, and still be able to reach for that. So I think uh, one thing I'd like to do is definitely be able to reach out and and be able to serve others and help others, even in our own Jerusalem. So, so uh, yeah, the worship team will now come up, and we will close in song. Thank you.